I've thanked our sponsors already. Welcome back. The topic for next week. What is the topic next week? What responsibilities do individuals, corporations, and governments have to others in the context of common good? Sounds vaguely communistic. <laughs> uh, we've got a couple of really good presenters in Kristen Krein and Scott Huff. Oh, once again, U of L, look at this. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Kristen Krein is, is, is that the, the Lethbridge Girls rock band? Yeah. Okay. These, this is gonna be, okay, next week's gonna be a very lively presentation, I can promise you that. Hopefully involving an electric guitar. Uh, <laughs> But this this has Knut Peterson's fingerprints all over it. What responsibilities do people, corporations, governments have in the context of working for the common good? It'll be fun. Right back here, noon. Noon, but get here a little early so that we can get going early because there's two presenters, it might take a little longer. You can find today's session, past sessions dating back ages on www.sacpa.ca. Um, there's a podcast, you can catch it on Shaw. There's just too many places to see this. Um, we have a survey and comment box out front. If you've got some ideas, um, as you can see, we're, we're ranging right into Canute's communist tendencies. If you've got some other ideas, put them in the question box, or just you know shout them at Canute on your way out the door as you throw a rotten tomato at him. Now it's question period. We're going to have to ask everyone to line up with the mic so that we get this on the audio. So if you have a question, line up with the mic. Um, try to keep it brief. Uh, one or two topical questions. Uh, we don't need your backstory. We don't need your personal history. But you know, a good topical question would be great. Um, we'll have a steady flow if we don't. I've written a few questions down, but my questions stink and mostly revolve around sports. Um, if you do have a question, we can always bring the mic to you if you don't want to walk over to the microphone. So now, I, I'm peeking over at the table to make sure Petra has done the dessert. Um, now we're, we're ready to go with the question period, so I'll once again call up Petra DeVoe. My name is Ron Campbell. Uh, Petra, thank you very much for your presentation. It was very well done, very comprehensive. And as I said at the table, I wish you'd have been around 50 years ago when we started our family. Uh, my question relates to, I think it's pretty evident that using physical abuse or physical punishment uh, is just kind of counter counterintuitive. We, mostly adults don't do that to other adults when they misbehave, but we still do it to little adults, children. So I, that doesn't make sense. My question relates to the whole issue of emotional abuse, the yelling, the screaming, the, the conflict. I believe there's a lot of research that shows that also uh, has serious consequences around uh, around their uh, neurological development. Yes, you're absolutely right. There is, I don't think, I'm not an, I just want to you know, make it clear, I'm not an expert. I just base my information on different research, but I, I do agree there is actually no difference between physical abuse and emotional abuse when it comes to the harm of the child's brain. And um, 
the the ACEs that I was talking about earlier has the 10, 10 different questions. And uh, if you answer yes to any of those questions, uh, you know, the more the more yeses you have to those 10 questions, the more likely you are to have a, a problem as an adult. And one of the, well, the one question is the, the physical abuse and one is the emotional abuse. So, yeah. Hi, Sandra. Hi. Thank you very much for your talk. You don't have to worry about talking in kind of a group like this. You're great. I failed you to Abbey Stone. Um, my working life, I was a psychologist worked in the school system <laughs> and um, when I saw kids with uh, that were causing great disruption in the classroom and then we'd um, do testing on the kids and bringing the parents to examine the results <clears throat> usually the kids that had the really really bad entrenched behavior had um, um, a parent who had really bad entrenched behavior <laughs> and there was a lot of modeling going on um, not only modeling, but also um, allowing the bad behavior, supporting it, in fact. So um, we're discussing at the table about the intergenerational aspects of parenting and um, how it's so difficult to change your parent, your parenting style from that of the your own parents, and that it's. It's all very wonderful to have all the research and the and the support and to go to someone talking about parenting. But to be able to admit that you have carried on that and you're not stopping that intergenerational violence of abusive parenting, whether physical or emotional, is very difficult. So I'm just wondering, um, in your work, do you have an opportunity to um, have a safe situations, um, maybe even groups where parents can talk about the issues they are having themselves of going from the horrible, the horrible parenting they had with trying to parent their children in what they would see as they would see as new and even um, um, behaviors that might even go against their philosophy. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I do have a lot of parents walking into my office or into a group setting where they're saying, I was parented this way, uh, but I don't agree with it. I don't want to do the same thing as my parents, but I don't know what else to do. So it is a common thing. So, uh, and obviously that's where they're coming to the family center and receive some support. And we do have the, in our groups and in our individual sessions, there is an opportunity for the parent to, to debrief and, and, and explore uh, how they were treated. And we often, uh, me as a parent educator, often work together with the counselors who would maybe do the more uh, that trauma-based um, looking at the parent's um, experience as a, as a child themselves. I don't know if I answered your question or not. But. We do have a lot of parenting <laughs> programs and group and individual sessions as well as private counseling, family counseling, and individual counseling. Counseling. 
Good afternoon. My name is Jonathan Benichepin, and first, uh, for the moderator, is it okay if I ask a question and then also follow that up oh, with yeah. a statement? That's sure, okay. sure. Thanks. My question is in two parts. Okay. The first one is, why do you think parents spank? And also, the second part is, what do you think happens when a parent spanks a child? What I mean by that is, in your mind, what happens in that process of spanking? From the parent perspective? What happens in the room when a parent spanks a child? What, is it, what does that look like? I don't know. What do you, like, I don't understand the question. My question comes, <laughs> stems from this. When a parent spanks a child, there's a big difference between what the Supreme Court mandated in their 2004 decision as what was proper spanking and what was not. There's a big difference in what can happen between uh, abuse and between what the Supreme Court said is acceptable. So my question is, in your view, what do you view spanking as? Well, what is appropriate is to spank a child. What is it's appropriate when we're looking at the law, not uh, ethically. Um, is the child has to be between two and twelve, and it has to be uh, below the head, preferably on the bum with open hand. That is the if there's any uh, and if it leaves a mark or if you're using an object, that is illegal. And if you're spanking a child over the age of twelve or under the age of two. My, my follow-up question statement to that is, uh, and thanks for restating the law so that everybody is aware of that, is a lot of times I feel that when people speak about spanking, they lump abusive behaviors in with reasonable force. And I don't think that's proper. I spank my children. But when I spank my children, it's not just a spanking. I, I don't think that's right. You just smack them and walk away. That doesn't teach them anything. When I spank my children, I teach them. We talk about why they got a spank. I give them a hug. We restore the relationship. So I view it as a very effective teaching tool, not something where you just give them a quick slap on the bum or uh, even a slap somewhere else and then just walk off. I don't think that's parenting. I think it needs to involve more. But I think that spanking is an effective tool. Thank you. Thank you. So I just want to clarify that there is no research out there that proves that it is an effective uh, method of, of disciplining. And as I, I talked about earlier in the presentation, that when a child is being spanked by a person or a caregiver that they see as being safe and secure, there is something happening in their brain. There is a disconnect in the brain that that could potentially create trauma in the brain. Thank you. My name is Ted Mitsui. Thank you very much, Petra. Uh, well, you talk confirmed that I was absolutely bad father. <laughs> what you said in your talk, 80% of it I didn't do. I spanked my child, I did all sorts of things. Abused her verbally, went away, didn't come home for a long time because I was in the traveling. My job took me to a lot of traveling. But 
she turned out to be wonderful. <laughs> Who taught her? Mother, as possible. She's a wonderful woman. Who taught her? Society? She is 200% better parent than I was. She probably knew what not to do. <laughs> so, what happened? Well, uh, what, uh, I don't know. I don't know your family, but I know this, that uh, as long as the child has one secure uh, adult um, role model that they trust and, and can connect with, that is enough for them to do less harm in, in the brain. So if, there is, if they're growing up in a uh, violent or with physical abuse, uh, but then have that one connection to one adult that is secure and safe that will help help the, the brain to develop appropriately. Hi, my name is uh, Knut Peterson, and uh, I'm uh, not even a wannabe communist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my question relates actually to the previous one. Um, we spoke about that at the table for a little bit. Uh, back in when I was growing up, uh, I don't think very many mothers dished out the uh, physical discipline. It was mostly fathers, I think. Nowadays, uh, apparently, women are liberated and they feel free to eat up on the kids. <laughs> yes, I, I was sharing with Knut uh, during lunch that uh, research shows today that women are more likely to use banking than men uh, are today. I don't know if they're more likely to be home with a child or uh, what that is, but that, that is the research. Am I on? Yes, you Can I yeah. share something real quickly that Please. I wanted to have a chance to explore in my presentation and I never did. And it goes it goes back to the gentleman with the uh, uh, who was uh, using spanking. And I just want to explain <clears throat> something. And I was kind of touching on it earlier. But what happens, uh, we all go through different zones of regulation. This is actually a tool that I use with parents almost every parent that I see. So we go through different zones of regulation throughout our days. The blue zone is when we're tired, we're feeling blah, we just, we don't really take in information very well and we certainly do not, oh, I have another question. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Uh, we certainly do not uh, output or make um, a sense of what we're saying when we're in the blue zone. In the green zone is when we have full control of our actions, full control of our emotions, and full control of what we're saying. This is where children should be in when they are at school, when they're learning, and this is where we as parents need to be when we are uh, disciplining. And as far as I know, um, often when we're using spanking, um, we are not in the green zone because we are frustrated. That is what the research shows. Um, <clears throat> so we want to be in the green zone when we're doing any form of parenting. Once we get into the yellow or the red zone, we're, well, in the yellow we're losing control, we start to get frustrated, we do not make sense in what we're saying, and we don't, we don't take in information either. So we have to think about this when we're with our child. If our child is in the red zone, there is no point in talking to them. There is no point in doing any disciplining because it's not going in. 
and especially if you are in the red zone as well, it's just going to be, there is nothing happening there. So uh, I hope this makes sense, but it, it makes sense to a lot of parents, and, and I use it all the time with my own children. Thank you. Uh, my name is Mary Shillington. I'm a retired uh, social worker, uh, counselor. Uh, and but before I w did that, I was a parent who who copied some of the behaviors of my sisters who were older than me in their parenting. And uh, over 40 years ago, I used a wooden spoon once on our son, only once. It broke, and he, he was want to remind me of this as an adult about how that happened, and I felt terrible about it, and I never used the spanking again. Now. Different methods worked with him and his sister uh, as far as discipline. Uh, we could send his sister to her room because that cut her off from contact with other people, and so that was a way of uh, uh, disciplining her in a healthy way. We could send him to his room, and he loved it because he was an introvert. And uh, so, uh, how do you work with that with your parents that you're working with? And I think these signs are very helpful. Uh, that would be a good thing. I know I use some of that with uh, a parent that I worked with. Uh, but how do you talk about the difference in personalities between with the parents, but also with the children, and what kind of uh, behavior change is possible through through the kind of discipline you're using? Uh, well, uh, good question. Really. A hard question to answer in a few minutes but uh, you would um, we have all uh, there's nine different temperament traits so being aware as a parent what your temperament traits are and what your child's temperament traits are can be very very helpful in understanding uh, what your child is coming from so to give an example uh, the ad adaptability is one of those uh, um, temperament traits I am very adaptable. I can do things uh, last minute, but my child is not adaptable at all. So if I wasn't aware of this, it would create a lot of clashes between the two of us and me not understanding why she's being so reluctant to, to go to the store within two minutes notice. But if you have an understanding of where your uh, uh, temperaments are in your child, so you can have an easier time to adapt your parenting style to your child. I don't know if I answered your question there, but and some of us are introverts, so being sent on a timeout to your room when you're an introvert is actually maybe an accidental reward. So thinking about some other strategies. And I want to go back to the, the ABCs of behavior too, to really look at the, the triggers. So what triggered the child to do this? What was it? And if we have, if we have a really a high uh, sensory threshold that we don't really like sensory stimulation, that could be a trigger. So we have to be, it, it, you know, children do not come with a handbook. We, we really have to get to know them and understand them, and that is a hard job. Thank you. Uh, hi, Maria Fitzpatrick. Uh, my parents never laid a hand on me. They were, well, I should say my mom was incredibly authoritarian. And uh, one of the things that I found in terms of discipline was that I wasn't respected. And to me, that was, uh, that was probably more damaging than had she hit me. 
but what I found was when I had my children, there were a couple of times that words started to come out of my mouth and I said, stop. Those are my mother's words and I did not want my children to feel like that. So uh, in, your, uh, in your work with uh, children and adults about discipline, do you, uh, do you spend time talking about uh, the child feeling respected? Absolutely. I think that's, I come from, uh, I come from Sweden. I don't know uh, how many of you knew that. I don't know how many of you know that Sweden is really known for uh, the respect we put on children. Children are equal in, in society, so that's definitely something personally I do in my work with families is uh, helping parents understanding that relationship building and, and respect towards children. They have rights just as we do as adults. And sometimes they're uh, smarter than we are, they're more intuitive. Did I answer your question? Hi, Patrick. Hi. Lisa Lambert is my name. Um, I had an experience last night that I wanted to share. Um, first of all, I'll say that um, I'm almost 50 years old and I was never touched by my, my parents, other than lots and lots of love and hugs. So um, I, was, I was very blessed and uh, I raised my kids the same way. Um, I now have teenage boys and they have a ridiculous number of friends and they were all over yesterday and I was overhearing a conversation between them, all these boys together you can imagine a bunch of teenage boys, and what you're thinking is, they're smack-talking each other, they're being nasty, they're rude, and it's not at all true. They were so good to one another, they were kind, they were respectful, they had interesting conversations, but they were also really intimate conversations. I was, I was hiding in the back room, just listening, just so excited by what I was hearing. And so what I began to think, though, while you were talking is, are we producing better kids? Like, uh, my kids are better than my group, what my cohort was. My cohort, I think, was better than my parents' cohort was. They're just better people. <laughs> and part of it may be because there's so much less beating going on. This, the, the, the spanking is not being used, and we're producing better kids. These kids are good. Like, I, I just got to tell everybody, like, teenagers these days are they're good kids. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I, I'm flabbergasted with the com uh, conversations my children have uh, sometimes too. And I, I do agree that maybe there is something related there. I don't know. For somebody else to research about. I'm, I'm sure they don't eavesdrop, Lisa. Good afternoon. I'm uh, Harry Bowers. Uh, I wasn't sure, but you did clarify you do come from Sweden. Yes. In 1979, Sweden banned spanking. And in a study in Sweden from 1981 to 1994, without spanking, the increase of criminal assault from 15 year olds on other children ages 7 to 14 increased by 519%. Was that because of no spanking or was that from something else? That's just well, one fact. Not really a, I'm not looking for a response really. You okay. may, 
Yeah, I, I can respond to that. Before there was a law, of course there's not going to be any reporting. So once there is a law, the number of reportings are going to increase very drastically until parents learn other ways of dealing with it. If you look at the statistics of Sweden now, barely zero to none. For the increase, for the uh, in the assault from 15-year-olds, like that kind of a test is coming oh, from in. 15-year-olds to who? On 17 and 7 and 14-year-olds, so on children younger than themselves, perpetrated by 15-year-old children. Oh, I don't know anything so about this. School bullying would be. That's in your country. That would be. <laughs> right? I moved away from that for 20 years ago. Okay. Um, I have one more. You said there's no studies on spanking. There is. 2006 in New Zealand. Um, I. On a, on a New Zealand. I, I, I was talking about Canada yeah. and the, yeah, North but America. You said there was no studies. Um, you didn't specify. So you okay. just said, I haven't read no studies. But spanking like the lady before me was talking about, I don't remember the word she used, but it sounds like abuse to me. So there's, there's two different kinds. There's, every child is different than we raise. Every child needs different um, correction uses. Some people use time out. I never like that because if I or, or have a child sit on a stool in the kitchen for 20 minutes, I don't get nothing done for that 20 would be, minutes. 20 minutes would not be considered appropriate, so that would be neglect. No, you have to actually sit there and be there with them to make sure they're there. So I get nothing done. Oh, 10 minutes. Then what? Two minutes? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't like that because I got other stuff to do than wait and watch my child. Um, but the study that was done in New Zealand. I had to go run and get my glasses because it was too small. Um, in 2006, they tracked 962 children, so a fair amount. In the conclusion, they found no evidence that parents who spanked their children progressed to abusive punishment. And one finding that surprised the researchers was that non-physical punishment was most frequently regarded as the worst punishment ever received. With 50% of the study members, so the, the children, naming at least one non-physical punishment method such as privilege, privilege law. So can we, can we get to a question? I, they find that in that study, they, they said that spanking controlled, I agree, like there's a, I like your zone. Everybody should be in a green, no matter what discipline. Would you agree with that, right? There's no question. No question. My name is Henry Heine, and um, it seems to me in the and the Triple P, no, I, I, I agree Sorry. with that, and I think it's a good, very good program. But if I look at my parents, or grandparents, when there were, say, 8, 10, 12 children, how would some of that apply? It was a whole different ballgame. Secondly, I see some of the discipline my wife and I used now coming to the fore when I see my daughters raising their children. 
and my youngest grandson of six today. And uh, you know, he's a handful and has some very strong will, but very, very lovable. My question is, you know, there are one parent families, but if there are two parent families, I never, ever would say anything when my wife disciplined. At that moment, I might say later on, after the kids were in bed in the bed, look, Pia, why did you do that? Don't you think I was a little harsh? And she did more discipline than I ever did. What would your comments be in terms of parents being together in raising their children? Because that's not always the case. Thanks. Sorry, so to clarify, are you, are you talking about parents undermining each other when they're raising children yes, together? Yes, that could happen. And the kids pick up on the right way because yeah. they play one against the other. Exactly. Because that happens all yeah. the time. You, uh, yeah, and it is key. If you are parenting together, uh, it is really important to be cohesive and talk to each other and discuss disagreements behind closed doors. Because once the children are picking up on those uh, that you're undermining the other parent, uh, there will be a disconnect again. Um, however, when parents are separated, children have an easier time to adapt to the different households. It's not as confusing as when it is in the same household. So as long as mom is doing the same thing at her house and having you know, a set routine and schedules, and dad is being predictable at his house, they, have a, they can adapt to that. But it's more confusing if there is a disconnect within the household. 